So welcome to Jills of All Trades. Um, and if you want to go to the website, it's jillsofalltradespodcast.com. And today we have Paul Wheaton here with us, who is one of my big personal heroes. He is the one that got me into permaculture and actually led us to the business that supports our family now. Um, years ago, he did a, a podcast and also, didn't you do some articles on residual income and kind of... I write a lot. Yeah. I'm, you know. And today my name is Jill. Jill, right? We braided his beard and everything. So today I wanted to talk about, now that we're kind of living this lifestyle, we kind of followed the path that Paul led us down. Our, our homestead is permaculture, and our livelihood is one online that once we've created it, it continues to feed us. We don't have to recreate the wheel in order for it to, to bring in income. And... Um, we have found that the path is not quite as rosy as we thought it would be. It's, you know, a lot of people think residual income and they think easy. You know, you make it once, it's easy, it always keeps coming in. But it's, it's a lot of hard work. And especially if you're trying to be a farmer or do anything else with your life, it, it's like having a full-time job. And Paul has been doing it such a long time, so we're going to ask him for his tips and tricks on how to really... Um, be this kind of entrepreneur and still be able to have time to to really do the things that you love that got you into it in the first place. Did you read? I, I wrote something not long ago about Ferd and Gert. I don't know if you read that. Mm -mm. No, you didn't. Okay. And so uh, it was in response to somebody complaining about permaculture people charging money for what they do, and um, and they they were anyway. The article was awful it was the, the art not my article my article was awesome that article that i read was terrible and i was really offended by it and so i responded with my article about ferd and gert and so in ferd and gert i described these two different people there's ferd who works a job goes to college you know and then gets the debt and then gets a job gets a mortgage gets car payments goes to work and has like $80 a month in disposable income. And then after years and years and years, finally gets to the point that he has uh, like $150 a month of disposable income. And, and uh, et cetera. Because every, all the money that he's got coming in from his, you know, worky job at a desk uh, has to go to the choices that he's made in the past. Paying for school, paying for the house, paying for all of these things that, you know... It's debatable how much he wants them, but but basically the only joy that he has in life, in my story, it's fiction. I can make up anything I want. <laughs> Mr. Rogers told me it was totally okay to do this. And so the, the, the things that please him are creature comfort. So he can go and take his $150 a month and he can use it to go bowling. He can, he's, he's desperately trying to find things to add substance to his life. Okay, that's the story of Ferd. And then and then there's the story of Gert. And so Gert has realized the permaculture promise, which is that um, you, got, you you build yourself a small, humble home someplace. Uh, and we could talk about that, what that someplace is. But, um, uh, and then you, you grow these, you know, big gardens. And, and basically, um, uh, the permaculture promise is that you're going to get to a point where um, uh, your food kind of takes care of growing itself. 
it does you don't have to irrigate it you don't have to worry about pests you don't have to worry about anything except for harvesting so then she just harvests this food and cans it so instead of whereas ferd works 40 hours a week at his job but you got to add in 10 hours a week or maybe five hours a week for for commuting and driving around to get his stuff done and then and then he's got to go stand in lines at grocery stores and he's got to stand in line at the restaurants and wait to be served food that somebody else has cooked and all these kinds of things um instead gert works so so ferd's like at what can we say 60 hours a week does that seem fair um he's he's got you know he's got his job and then he has to go get his food and he has to sometimes cook it sometimes wait for it to be cooked for at some restaurant or something et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 60 hours a week in the meantime gert is working on an average week, 10 hours a week, but when you get into the harvest seasons, now Gert's putting in 40 hours a week because she's canning and she's drying foods and preserving food and stuff. So, and then it turns out that Gert um, occasionally has an excess of something, which she either gives away or sells, and, and Gert does a little bit of whatever she feels like doing once in a long while, but it turns out that Gert has um like about two hundred dollars a month of disposable income because gert doesn't have debt and and so it's kind of like okay ferd has a hundred and fifty dollars a month of disposable income and he desperately wants more money right. because he needs to fill his life with purchases and things to, to help anesthetize the pain that he feels he wants substance in his life he wants something gert in the meantime and this is, you know, you know, people could argue about this till the cows come home about how Ferd is wrong and Gert is wrong or whatever. But um, and I'm 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 just again making this up, fiction, Mr. Rogers. We've been over this, okay? So the key is is that Gert has two hundred dollars a month of disposable income, but she doesn't know what to spend it on. Right. She's um, she's kind of got everything. She has substance in her life. She has community. She has all the things now. <clears throat> So this is so, so a lot of people want to pursue becoming Gert. And then the point that I end up making is that if you gave Gert a million dollars, like here you go, Gert, <clears throat> you can put it under your bed, you can put it into a bank, you can invest it, you can set it on fire, you can do whatever you want with this million dollars. Um, the, the thing that I propose in my fiction is that Gert does not live her life differently one spec it's exactly the same and then then this status is what i call being a permaculture millionaire right. because if gert had a million dollars she would live her life exactly the same way so now you started off by talking about um uh residual income streams mm -hmm. and it's like there's work and there's challenges and there's you know this and there's that and we need to get more money coming in and we need to do this and that and the other thing and it's, it's kind of like, uh, um, and the reason why I wrote about residual income streams is because a lot of people keep asking me, like, because I, I was, before buying land, I was traveling all over the Pacific Northwest and a lot of different places, visiting farms and gardens and, you know, just doing whatever I wanted. And, and I was very fortunate that a lot of people welcomed me into their homes and gardens. Um, although eventually, like usually within a half an hour, they kicked me off because they didn't like the things I had to say. But that's another story for another day. The, the key is, people are saying, how is it you can afford to do that? Why do you get to just drive around 
and go to all these places, and I have to sit here and go to my damn day job. Right. And it's entirely because of residual income streams. Right. And um, and it, it's it's definitely not something of like, oh, all you got to do is what everybody else is doing. And and it's like, no, no, no. In fact, that's that that rarely ever works. What you got to do is what everybody's not doing. And so what what I did at, at some point in time is um, I found out there was nothing on the internet about hugel culture, and so I felt like there should be something. Yeah. And then and then when um, I had problems with and this is when I talk about residual income streams, I always go to this one article I wrote ages ago, which which is never done particularly well, and which I think is a great example. Right. And so I wrote this article, um, and it took me two hours, including the pictures. Right. And uh, it's about ants and aphids on my apple tree. And there was, and because basically what happened was, is I had ants and aphids on my apple tree, a little baby apple tree. And the, these things were killing the tree. There were so many of them. And so I Googled and Googled and Googled. And um, I, I was not finding what I needed to find. Um, so because it didn't exist, then uh, what I ended up doing, I documented what I did. And um, and I wrote this article. So now if people go and they're like, oh, my apple tree and the ants and aphids and things like that. Now there is something on the Internet about this thing. And and so um, that had, I don't know, people found it. People would search for it and find it. And so it had a certain amount of traffic. And I put the AdSense uh, banner on it. And um, it brought in like $5 a month. And it's kind of like, well, five dollars a month. You, you can't live on five dollars a month. And it's like, okay, I'm going to uh, for those people that say, oh, you can't live on five dollars a month. Therefore, I'm not going to do it. It's like, thank you for not doing it because it turns out you're too dumb to post stuff to the internet. I appreciate you self-selecting yourself out of the, the the content on the internet. Thank you. Yeah, that is beautiful. I'm glad that the smarter people who've like read about math. Uh -huh. Can like then turn because this is what happened. Um, I wrote that um, back in 2002, so that would be 14 years ago. Let's see, five dollars a month times 60 times 10 is 600. So I don't know what's it brought in 800 bucks or so, something like that. Yeah. And so um, I did two hours work. I got paid 400 dollars an hour for that work, right. and it's like that's not bad. 400 bucks you, an hour? And not only that, it gives you a track record of the more you put out there, the more you become a quote-unquote expert, the more people want to read your articles because you started somewhere, it gave you credibility, and then if you want to write more, your next article will get more views because they said, oh, he knew what he was talking about with those aphids and those ants. Now we want to find out what he said about honeybees. Yeah, right. You've heard what I have to say about honeybees. Sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we could talk about that for a couple right. of hours. But I've already got podcasts right. on honeybees, right. like four podcasts. I think they're very good. They myself. are very good. Yeah, I've listened you. to some of them. Sorry, sorry but. This is, no, I was going to say, this is a good time to segue them over to his podcast, too. Oh, oh. Oh, yes. I have podcasts. Do you want to tell your audience about my, my podcast? Yes, I... <laughs> okay, so as a busy mom... I had a hard time focusing on reading an article or on looking at a screen. And, and, and so finding Paul's podcast, he's over at permies.com. 
And some of his podcasts are bundled so that you're, for your convenience, you can take it. it. It costs just a very small amount to actually buy the bundle and then you own it and it's yours. And, or you can listen to them individually and you lock and unlock certain podcasts on and off so that, I don't know, is it just to spruce things up a bit or just so people can buy them in big bundles? But Well, the, okay, so we make all the podcasts available for free. Mm-hmm. And and then, but you got to go hunt and pack You're and right. get them one at a time. But we do make these convenience gobs. But I think I think it's like twenty bucks, and you get like three hundred and forty podcasts yeah. plus a bunch of PDF files yeah. and maybe a couple of videos. But we've got a thing where t- like twenty bucks, and you get like this mountain of stuff. And and it's not just Paul talking. You've got experts that range from honeybees to. Uh, composting toilets to residual income to butchering pigs I mean you've got so much out there all the information that I've gathered as far as like my expert uh, information that I have for our farm came from uh, Paul's podcast because I didn't have to go out and hunt and find the experts I just heard about them on Paul's podcast so I they're the gospel according to Paul kind of in in my in my book because it, it's not just Paul it's also people who've really done their own wonderful things and he's just brought them on to talk about them and, and my podcast is not for everybody and i think people that are keen on permaculture there might be like even in the world of permaculture there might be only one in ten that would like my podcast you think so i i, I think so i think really? i think a lot of people i mean they a lot of people that are into permaculture want things to you know they want a flavor of permaculture mm. the more common flavor of permaculture is like let's hold hands and sing songs while we do permaculture well, so it, you're right. It might be a personality thing, but for me, it was. I prefer it in a nutshell. I want it cut and dried, and so I prefer, I prefer it cut and dried, and and in a nutshell. And I don't know. I, I, I guess there are other people out there that talk about podcasts. So you're right. It could just be a personality thing, but I think they're fantastic. So you wanted to ask about um, residual income streams, and now you had a question a moment ago, and now I'm not sure if I answered it. Did I answer the question? Or have I been like um, building up to answering the question and forgot it along the way? For our residual income, there's there's a there's a trap once you become an entrepreneur, and if you're a permaculture type of an entrepreneur, a lot of times your entrepreneurship actually gets in the way of you doing the permaculture because you find that way to make that residual income, and then you find another project that you want to fund, and you're like, this other project would be so cool if I could get this much money, then this new permaculture amazing thing I'm going to do could happen. And yet what ends up happening is you're sitting in front of your computer creating content for the people and you're not going outside to do your project that you worked so hard to get the money for. That, that, is, that is a huge problem. And, and uh, um, now, of course, when I wrote the Ants Navids article, then um, I was very active outdoors mm-hmm. and I didn't really think about, like, I'm going to do residual income. It was, it was more like, I, I need to share what I have discovered with, with solving this problem. And, um, but I did that a lot. I, I wrote a lot of stuff and I just shared it. And, um, and it, it turned out that it, at some point in time, I just started adding little AdSense banners to things. Um, and, uh, and then of course, you know, there's things like Amazon links and whatever else. But um, uh, in time, it's kind of like, I mean, for, for me, my life shifted a lot. And while I was obsessed with gardening for, for decades, and I still am, it's kind of like, now I'm more like gardening gardeners. And, 
and I, I kind of feel like I have this rare, rare opportunity to be able to make a massive change in the world. I can change things in a very large, large way, and but it's going to consume my life, and I have to... It's going to take so much of my time, I won't have time to go and garden. Right. And so then I have to choose. Now I can do a half-ass job on each um, and, and divide my time between these things. And of course I get lots of people like, oh, you should stop spending so much time in front of the computer and get outside. And you should garden again and do all the things that you love. And And it's like, that's exactly the decision that most people make. And then they don't, they, I mean, if I choose that path, I will, it's like, I'll spend half as much time doing the, the, um, the things that I do, or what I, I say it's for my empire. I'll spend half as much time doing that, but I'll accomplish one tenth as much. Right. It's kind of like to keep up with the things I've already created, consume 70, 80% of my time. And then so I get only this few hours a day to do new things. And it's like, so I could just stagnate the whole thing and just, you know, maintain and then go out. But it's, a, I mean, do you, when, you, when you're presented with a rare opportunity, do you walk away from it? Right. You know, and, and it's like all the people that are giving me this advice of like, you should, you should go and do other things. What are, what are they accomplishing? And you look at their example, and their example is is that they have a lovely garden that they did themselves, or they're managing a lovely farm. Right. And it's true, but nobody knows who they are, and they don't publish anything. They don't have a blog, they don't have a podcast, they don't have videos on YouTube, they don't have anything. And the most that they've got is on Facebook, and they've posted a couple of pictures, and hardly anybody has seen them. Right. That's it. And so I, it's like, it's a choice. These are, these are choices and it pains me greatly. But at the same time, you and I had an awesome conversation down this vein yesterday. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's kind of like this thing of like, I had a farm back in 2005. I, I actually got it in 2000 and then in 2005, something clicked in my head. And that was that I know all the things I want to do so desperately i am I'm, I'm obsessed with doing these things and there is no way i can do them by myself in my lifetime mm -hmm. but i want i desperately need to do them to be part of them and and so how am i going to do this and so suddenly my life I, it became obvious okay minimum six people maximum of 20 yeah. and it's like and i don't want I don't want these people to be people where I'm dragging them, kicking and screaming right. the permaculture. I want to live with like a dozen people who are dragging and kicking. I'm you. the one that's, I'm the one that's <laughs> yeah. dragging, being drugged. They're I'm the so one that's passionate. kicking. Yeah. They're dragging me into awesomeness. And, and it's like, that's what I want. Yeah. And so it's like, uh, now I got to figure out how to get that to work. And so then, um, then it becomes all about community living and that's bigger than all the rest of permaculture combined. Right. And, and it's complicated. And I spent years researching that and going through all kinds of steps. But that is a different podcast right. for a different day. Okay, so you had 
more things about residual income streams? Um, well, you're right. I, I am now, we have gone through several topics and I'm trying to remember what was the... Now you know why I have 300 and some I know, odd podcasts. Right? It's good. Um, so I have found that our residual income definitely comes from going out and it, it does entail a lot of study. I have to go online and find what I want to learn. And if it's not out there, that's what I need to learn how to do. And that's what I need to write my article on, or that's what I need to make my video on is if, which is why I think the rocket mass heater, a functional rocket mass heater and the greenhouse heaters and the, and the working outhouses that aren't outhouses that you have are so important is because it's like you said, it's not just about you. It's, it's about, well, these are, are important technologies that could save the world. And that's why you're passionate about getting it out there is because using a tenth of the wood that a conventional uh, fireplace or wood cook stove, wood stove would use. A conventional wood stove. Yeah, a conventional wood stove, anything like that would use. It's not just about something you're fascinated about. It's something that very, very quickly is pertinent to the world and it's changing your own environment and it's really helping people. And so for me, I find that the video that does the best for me is the one that I was not only fascinated by, and I haven't seen before, but that actually really helps people. And so if you have something that you're passionate about that you haven't seen out there, that's a really good place to start. It may not be the place where you stay, but it's a good place to start because it gets your feet wet and it, <clears throat> it at least gets you familiar with what's out there and what's available to find. Because, yeah, if you, if you recreate the wheel too many times, it gets boring. But that's where the entrepreneurship of, well, what's not out there? What, what isn't out there? What yeah. can I solve? Well, and, and I mean, a lot of it kind of starts off with um, when you're homesteading, it's, it's constantly, every day, trying to solve little problems mm -hmm. to, to get to be the vision that you have. And, um, and it's the little details where it's like, okay, this is a stumper. How am I going to solve this? And then so Google is such a great thing, and then you, you can't find anything. Yeah. And so then you're like, okay, here's the search phrases that I use to try and find something. There's nothing there. So here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to make something, put it up there, and I'm going to name it the thing I was searching for. Yeah. And so then that way, if somebody else goes searching for it. Mm -hmm. Now, um, a lot of it came from the forums at permies.com mm -hmm. where I would, you know, try to talk about these things. And then everybody's kind of guessing and we can't find any resources. So then we, you know, time to do a little experimenting. Let's figure this out. Let's solve this homesteading problem, which has probably been solved 10,000 times before. But nobody documented it. But nobody documented it. Yeah. And so... Then along came the rocket mass heater. I first heard about rocket mass heaters in 2008, mm -hmm. and a guy was explaining it to me, um, and it was I was just baffled, and it sounded like a bunch of snake oil, and so I signed up for a workshop, and I went, and I was very fortunate that this one time that I happened to be someplace, it has it was a, a, a also an innovators gathering, mm -hmm. so. There were five different innovators in the world of rocket mass heaters there at this workshop where, um, and, and I had the opportunity to not only see the thing work and feel the heat, and I'm like looking at this tiny bit of wood and feeling this immense amount of heat coming out of it, 
Not to mention the fact that my butt's getting warmed by this okay. bench. And then to hear this stuff that just does not make any sense. And, and it's like, and I'm, I'm an engineer. And so it's like, it, it, okay, it seems like magic. How is this working? And, it, and I'm just struggling so much with this. And then, then I start to kind of connect the dots and understand how it works and why. And, and, and these instructors are being so patient with me as I have, you know, the, they roll their eyes. I ask my question, they all roll their eyes because they've been asked it so many times. And, um, and so then I, I start to understand how it works, why it works, and, and, and how it is that you can heat your home and be just as comfortable with one-tenth of the wood. And then the next thing is, is why is this information not out there more? Well, none of these guys really cared about the Internet, you know, and, and none of these guys were marketing people. These, these guys were all innovators in the world of rocket mass heaters. And so then I start to realize, like, somebody's got to do it, and I can do it. I know what needs to be done. And so then I put the first video up on YouTube about rocket mass heaters. Now there's lots of, you know, videos, but there's also a lot of people are putting together really dumb things and, and calling squish. them. Yeah, <laughs> boom squish. And, and it's like, no, 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 no. So then it's kind of like, okay, how do we different, you know, convince people to, like, build them the good way and don't do what that guy did right. because, and it's, and really for a rocket mass heater, there's no boom squished. I mean, that's with rocket yeah, hot water, water or any kind of water mm -hmm. heater. You start playing in water heater space with pressurized water. Yeah. That's boom squish yeah. with a rocket mass heater. Um, it's far safer than uh, conventional wood stoves mm -hmm. because I mean, first of all, one tenth the wood there's, there's, there's less, chance to burn yourself there's less you know uh, it's it's there's less exhaust there's less smoke there's less everything it's it's 10 times safer than a conventional wood stove just because you're burning 10 times less stuff to begin with well but, and i think one of the problems and and one of the reasons it's good that you're doing what you're doing is that people the aesthetic matters to people because it's in their home and if you've seen a poorly made rocket mass heater that doesn't look very nice and it, it's it's not working on top of that and then you see what you have in your home we're standing we're sitting right next to his rocket mass heater and it's beautiful it's like a, a work of art in the middle of his living room it just replaced some of the seating and you've got the pretty shiny barrel but it there's so many people that are like well I don't want something redneck white trash in the middle of my living room that isn't going to work and it's not going to function and it's ugly and yet, the more experience you have of seeing other people putting their pictures out there of how pretty they can be and how functional they are, some people just really need to hear more than one opinion. And, and by documenting it and putting your information out there, uh, as far as like, once you put your information out, somebody else might say, hey, he did that too. I should show other people that mine worked as well. It wasn't just Paul's that worked. And, and the more people that see your work or, and, and have done it themselves can give you credit for the fact that, yeah, it does work. He's saying it works. And now more people are doing it. There's a bigger body of literature out there. It's credible now. So every time you say your information, Paul. you say your information, it sounds like you're saying urine, which is Sorry. funny. I, I feel like Beavis over here. <laughs> <laughs> she said urine. <laughs> information, right? Okay, all right. Too much, 
too much outhouse humor here. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. So the, uh, I imagine the Jills of all trades don't say, don't make jokes like that. No, nope, we're very know. too prim and proper little redheads <laughs> that do our little podcast and don't say things like that. Darn it. So, so uh, it's true. There's, I mean, now I think that there's a you know hundreds of thousands of rocket mass heaters that are being used right now. So then the the body of evidence is 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 just too large to ignore anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so then, uh, we, we still get occasionally, I mean, it used to be that back when I first started talking about rocket mass heaters in 2009, then, uh, um, you could be sure that a lot of people would say, no, it's not true. It's snake oil. It's a bunch of lies. It's, you know, and, and now, um, you rarely hear anybody complain because the body of evidence is, is profound. And we have lots and lots of people that took a home that they've been they've been heating for years and years and years with uh, a conventional wood stove, and then they took that out and put a rocket mass heater in its place, and now they're heating their home with one tenth the wood, um, and they're very happy. <clears throat> um, and so, same house, same level of comfort, uh, so so same insulation. Uh, same fuel, mm-hmm. uh, so same kind of wood. Everything is the same. The only thing that's changed is the rocket mass heater. And so that's some of our most valuable anecdotal evidence is um, is this this mass of people um, uh, that have done this. And and then um, uh, so then the naysayers, you know, but okay, I can I can again. I think I've got like at least twenty podcasts about right, rocket mass heaters. You do. So residual income streams. The key was is that. I saw something, and I felt the need to get you know to, to share it. Yes. And because it wasn't on the internet, I mean, when when two thousand eight, a guy told me about like the fire burns sideways. With the remember the the cardboard tube when Ernie and Erica showed the cardboard tube where the cardboard tube did not burn up, but you had flames shooting out the center of this cardboard tube depending yeah. on where it was turned. Yeah. And it, trying to explain the way that the fire worked in the J tube. Yeah. Right, right. right. I, I mean so in two thousand eight there was this guy, Todd, telling me for the first time what is a rocket mass heater. And he says it's kinda like, okay, the fire burns sideways and then there's a barrel and then it heats your butt. <laughs> and and you sit on it. And and it's like I was so confused. Right? I was so confused. None of it made any sense. And so I thought, I'll go onto the internet and I'll see a video of it. Right. And I'll see the fire burn sideways. But there's no videos of rocket mass heaters at all. And, and so eventually one of the many videos, I think I've got like 20 videos on YouTube. Yeah. And one of them is like, okay, the sideways burn. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Look at it. And once once you see it, and you understand it, it's like, oh, that's why. So basically, there's this horizontal tunnel and sticks sit in one end, and on the other end is something that's like a super insulated chimney that once it's heated, it starts to suck all the air out of the bottom, which sucks all the flames sideways. And and that's why it's a sideways burn. And, and it's like, once you see it, oh... Yeah. And that's why YouTube is so great. Now, residual income streams, I put these videos up on YouTube. Right. And a lot of people watch these videos. And and so I got 
I got money from that. Actually, I, I put the videos on YouTube, and it was like after a, a year, I got an email from YouTube saying, hey, want money for that? Right. And I was like, what? You could get money for that? Oh, yeah. And so. Here you go. There, uh, now I'm, I got, I got money from my YouTube videos. Yay. And well, so that's, that's nice. And in fact, I stopped making YouTube videos for a while. And you saw and money I, coming in. And the money kept coming in. Well, and, and that's the thing is that initially what you're doing is you're building credibility. You're saying, hey, I know what I'm doing and I'm going to put together this body of work that proves that I know what I'm doing. And then people start to gather and they start to love you and they start to really care that you continue to do these things. And what happens is that eventually you build up this crowd of people that cares about you and then they see that you want to new, make a new project. And they say, oh, we want to support you making this new project because all your old projects were awesome. So then at that point, you have this group of people that love you. And you come up with this amazing project. And you say, let's do a Kickstarter. Because you know what? I want this to be more professional. I want it to be more in-depth. And I want it to really have all the information that you want. But I can't do it without <laughs> some money to get it to you in a format that you can continue to use and then we can build our empire bigger. But if you don't have that, that initial set of, of information to give people to prove that you know what you're doing, you don't have that crowd of people that cares because you haven't proven that you know diddly squat. Okay, so um, you're, thinking, you, you're, you're thinking that I'm clever and that I have these noble intentions. And well, I think it happened organically. I think in the yeah, beginning it happened very organically. And so, so then like the, the Rocket Mass Heater DVDs, the first ones, mm -hmm. um, they, they started with like there's a workshop and it's sold out. Mm -hmm. And a whole lot of people are like, hey, can you video it? And I'd buy the video. And um, <clears throat> I got this idea of like, okay, I'll video it. And then maybe what I'll do is I'll mash the videos. Because if you just have raw video footage, there's like crappy. There's 20 hours of stuff yeah. and it's boring. It doesn't and, make sense. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is painful to watch. Mm -hmm. And and I thought, okay, I've edited a bunch of YouTube videos. And so I could I could edit the video down and and then sell it as a DVD or something. And um and so then I thought, oh, you know what I could do? I could do a Kickstarter. And, and I thought, because it ends, either way it ends great. Either it doesn't get funded, and then I don't have to do all that editing work, because that's right. a lot of that's work. That's a lot of work. And, and it's like, ha, 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 I got out of that. Mm -hmm. uh, or it does get funded, and I can have some huge amount. Of, so I said $18,000. It's like, if you give me $18,000, then I'll do this. Yeah. And um, so I put it up on Kickstarter. And I thought either I get some crazy enormous amount of money, or I don't have to do it, you know. And and I got ninety two thousand dollars. Uh oh. <laughs> oh right. no. I have to do it now. Now I now I have to do it, and it's a lot of money. And so, we we spiffed it up a bit. Right. And and granted, it was some giant doofus in overalls holding a camera to video the event. Um, back in, this was 2012, mm -hmm. a workshop in 2012. And it was a great event. It was awesome. It was, I think, one of the best workshops that ever happened for Rocket Mass Heaters. And, um, and then uh, it turned out that a guy helped me with the editing, and he was amazing at editing, and he made it so much better. Um, you know, but he complained that my, the sound quality was poor, because sometimes what happens, Eric is over there talking, right. and there's a fire actively burning, mm -hmm. and it's cracking and popping, and... 
you can't hear Erica very well. And so, but that wasn't all of it. That was just a little bit of it. But, but people focus on that five minutes of crackling and popping and like, this sound quality is terrible. And it's like, I, I'm kind of thinking like uh, the, the whole event has actually worked out. I, I thought it was really good DVDs and it did. It sold really well. Um, and so then we made um, the, the, you know, but people came back and they're kind of like, okay, I want to know more about this. Right. I want to know more about that. I want to know more about these other things. So, so, um, and then we kind of got the idea, like, there needs to be a single DVD for, like, people who just want to taste and then they only want to spend this little tiny amount of money instead of buying four DVDs. So we made another four DVD set. So now there's a total of eight DVDs. And um, the, the, I think that the, the new four DVD set covers a lot more material. It's, it's, far more, um, it's, it's far more information rich, but we worked really hard to not duplicate information mm -hmm. in the first four DVDs. I think that, I think that they're really well edited. Now you've only seen the first one, right? right. Yeah. But I, I liked the subtitles. I mean, if there was, if there was like a time where it felt like, oh, I can't hear her very well, the subtitles would pop up. So right. I felt like it was really good. So on DVD one, one of the microphones crapped out. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there was like a minute and a half. Mm -hmm. And you can still hear what she's saying, but we added in little text yeah. just to be, because we had so, geez, the complaints really? of people the last time. And it's like, I can still understand what she's saying. I don't know why people are complaining. That's right. like, oh, we want Lord of the Rings quality. Right. <laughs> we want you to have a sound studio and a sound team. Out in the middle of the wilderness with... 40 but, people wandering around. But, of course, we don't know whether or not you're going to actually get funded. In fact, when I was recording it, I wasn't really sure what I was going to be doing. I borrowed the camera. <laughs> it's like, you know, right. so it's kind of like, uh, um, <clears throat> but, hey, it's good to want things. Just yeah. want away. Now, as it turns out, then these things do turn into residual income streams. Um, but, I mean, and I think, I think we're going to talk about residual income streams, which is the focus that you wanted to talk to me about today. Mm -hmm that, um, I mean, there's different degrees of residual income streams. I mean, there's something where if you do nothing at all, then you might get um, $100 a year. Right. But if you spend a, a two more hours fiddling with it, then you'll start getting $200 a year. Right. And so, um, you know, these are different kinds of residual income streams. You know what? Here's an important thing about residual income streams. <clears throat> So there's two books out there that I think are along these lines. There's Mortgage Free, mm -hmm. which says, go out and get your grub steak, work some horrible job that you hate, and you know, save up your money. Live very, very frugally. Live super frugally. The frugalier that you live, the sooner you get your grub steak and you can get out of the rat race. Um, and, and then it talks about, you know, then get some land, build your own home, and you know, you've never had a mortgage, so now you don't have to work some sucky job as much as other people do. The third lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, then there's the book Early Retirement Extreme. And in that book, it basically says, you know, keep working your sucky job, live super frugally, the frugalier the better. And, um, and then you'll get to the point where you'll take all that money and you'll invest it. <clears throat> and then you'll get to the point where your investments are giving you $500 a month. You get your living expenses to be less than $500 a month. And then you can retire at the age of 23. Right. And um, uh, I, it makes a good point. 
the thing is, is I kind of feel like the investment part is scary as hell to me. I could never, I mean, it's gambling, you know, it's like professional gambling Mm -hmm. and I'm not a professional gambler. However, and then, and basically part of it is, is like, you got to go get, okay, step one, go get a million dollars. Right. And then step two, invest it wisely. And it's like step one and step two might be easy for some people, but, but it's like, it's not, I don't think it's that. So the residual income stream thing is, is like, just help people on the internet and, and help them more and more polish your message, help more people and, and not, you know, I'm not talking about going out and being somebody's slave or something. I'm talking about like, do the things that you want to do anyway, enjoy the things you want to do, but, but do it in a way that you're sharing this information for free and publicly. And then eventually you'll have this body of stuff and you can start to monetize it. And that's what we did. That's exactly what we did. We started this three years ago and I worked my butt off for three years while being a wife and a mother and everything. My husband was still working. So we were being responsible. He had work. And then when it came to the point where it became residual, instead of working your butt off just to pull it in, it started to come in on its own. That was when it's like, now we have some choices. But we worked our butts off for three years to get enough information out there that we had credibility and the people cared about what we were saying. Right. I, yeah. And and it's like, and there's a lot to be said for people caring about what you're saying. Now... I gotta, I, I, I wanna, I think I've said this twice already, but I wanna emphasize, don't say what you think people want to hear. Right, it's what you which care about. It's, it's the mistake that people make. Like, I'm gonna go out and I'm going to make money. Mm-hmm. And I think that if I say, if I say it polite and sweet right. and nice, and I say what's commonly known, then people will like me and be happy. Right, it's not that. And it's, and it's like, yeah, don't, don't do that. There's, there's like, there's this, uh, uh, the spectrum on the one end is, is being nice and polite and decent and tactful on the other end is what's called the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not, it's not even, and, and I think that's another thing too, is I think stating the truth is a really terrible idea. <laughs> you need to state your position, right? what you, what you believe and, and you're totally allowed to believe anything you want. Don't appeal to the mass. Appeal to your niche. Mm-hmm. A- appeal to yourself. And and it's amazing how if you express yourself and what you believe, you never ever because you like when I first put out my first podcast, I had a bunch of people complain. And I told them to go suck eggs. Right. <laughs> and and it's like um, and then, and then I remember I made a podcast where we we're trying to eat while recording the podcast and it made sounds and people complained about that. And then the next podcast, I encouraged everybody to make slurpy noises, lots of smacky <laughs> sounds and cling their stuff. And because we want to get those people to go away, right? get those people to leave us alone. Right. Don't try to appeal to the masses, you know, appeal to yourself and your joy and what you think is fun and good and right and decent and what you think, not what you think others want to hear. Right. So, because if you try to appeal to the masses, if you try to, to, crazy. to please everybody, you're of interest to nobody. Yeah. So, 
you <clears throat> you got to push that new area. All right. right. <clears throat> I was going off on some other tangent before I got on this tangent. Right. Which may, you know, this may be a large, large collection of tangents. <laughs> I don't even remember what your question was. Well, I, I kind of think we answered it in that it comes down to find what isn't out there that you want to see. Make that, and people will care. And eventually you'll get to a point where you'll become a guru expertish type of person because you've done your own research and you made it work. Okay. I, I would say the only thing I would change in that is um, if you try to be a person that's making money um, in this space. As the only thing you're aiming for? Yeah. Like, I yeah. I wish to have money. Yeah. And, and then it's like, somehow... At least for me. Maybe it's just me, and it doesn't work that it way. It doesn't work that way. But what I did was is I went out, and I felt like, okay, here's a topic, and there's nothing out there on this topic, yeah. and there needs to be. And, and it's like I, I need to share what I experienced so others will save time. Yes. And and the homesteading and permaculture. Because homesteading and permaculture is the solution to everything. Right. I mean, it's, it, it, there might be 10% of the world's problems out there for which uh, homesteading and permaculture doesn't solve those problems. But um, I don't know. I, I, every time I try to think about world problems or even people's personal problems, mm -hmm. I just kind of can't help but think that the solution to everything. I mean, it, as I try to think it through and solve it, I come to the exact same conclusion every time, homesteading yeah. and permaculture. And if you don't feel that way about your topic, you're probably in the wrong topic. You need to fill that, whatever, whatever it is you're talking about online, you need to feel that way about your topic. If you don't feel that way about your topic, then you're not going to find enough information and you're not going to care about it deeply enough to be able to, to sell it to other people. If, that, if that's what you're trying to do is, is sell a solution, it, it, can't, it can't be something you're just seeing as lucrative. I think this is the topic I should use because it's lucrative. It seems like every time I've tried to pursue dollars, mm -hmm. then... They it, disappear. It, yeah, it, it falls flat. Yeah. But when it's like, i got to get this done so people know, mm -hmm. then it, it works out. Yeah. And, and uh, it's, it's awesome. And yeah. it happens to bring in money. Yeah. Um, and then also, the, I think another thing is, is I think my, for, for all my business endeavors, I have this rule. It's, it's try 100 things. Two will work out, and you never know in advance which two. You don't. And and so you just keep doing things and doing things, and some of them work out, and some of them, and most of them don't. Right. And uh, the, but, the the residual income streams are so much like that. Yeah. Um. But, so here I've got four brand new DVDs. We yeah. just got done editing them a couple weeks ago. They're at the printers. Um. I think that they get shipped tomorrow, so in about a week we'll have them here, and um, and then I, you know, I, I send them out to all the Kickstarter people, and um, and then it's like, okay, now they're available for sale, and then I sit back and wait for residual income of sorts, but of course it comes back to the point we made earlier, if I tell people that I have them, they might, I might actually sell more, right, and that gets to be very complicated, but. Um, the beauty of residual income streams is that if I do nothing at all, money does come in. Right. And then I think my process has been I spend 50 weeks out of the year just creating content and giving it away for free. And then I spend two weeks out of the year 
like, okay, how do I get more money to come in from the things I've already created? Mm -hmm. And I think that's been a fairly decent recipe for for how to get re residual income streams to happen. Well, and I think that once you get to that point, it's good to have help because a lot of the, the income streams can be that you've created something and now you just need to find people that can get the message out there. Hey, we made this really cool thing. You should go check it out. So and we we do a lot of stuff at permies.com to try to help people that are doing this. Yeah. And we've got lots and lots of threads to people on residual. We have a whole forum mm -hmm. dedicated to residual income streams. Yeah. And and then there's oodles of stuff that I've posted about like, okay, you're trying to you've written a bunch of blogs or something. You've done a lot of stuff to build residual income streams. And so how can we help you monetize that here at permies.com? Right. And we have a list of stuff. And, and so yeah. it's like, um, I think we've got a list of like 20, 25 different things that you can do at permies.com that will help direct people to your stuff, which will then help to improve mm -hmm. your income streams. And you even have Justin Rhodes. And Justin Rhodes is the new hot thing right now as far as homestead, internet type businesses. He is just... He's just out there everywhere, and he's one of your big gurus. And I mean, but he was nobody. He just was nobody a couple a months ago. ago. Yeah. Even I mean, when he first started out, he had like 500 YouTube subscribers, and he was so good at it and so good at the marketing that within like six weeks he went from 500 subscribers to like 30,000 subscribers, and I think he has more than that now. And um, I think it has a lot to do with your marketing. And getting to know who else knows what they're doing in your niche and being friends with them and helping them and they help you. And I, I think that at permies.com, we gave him an enormous yeah, push huge. to get started. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm not going to say that he's only famous now because of permies.com, but I, I choose, without really knowing anything... I choose to say that at least half of that yeah. came from permies.com. Yeah. We do a lot to help promote people mm -hmm. and get their residual income streams going. Yeah, I think you guys there've been a couple uh there's been a couple kickstarters that I found just cuz you talked about it in your email list. Yeah. Where I was like, "Oh my gosh, that is super super awesome. I really need to go check that out cuz Paul said it was cool." And I, I it is. It's I I think permies I I think permies is like the most comprehensive forum uh, information spreading uh, system website that I've seen as far as like if it's happening out there and it's about permaculture and, and living this kind of lifestyle it, you'll find it on permies or if Paul finds out about it and he thinks it's awesome he'll put it on permies whether you get anything out of it or not oh right well I'll get to this in a minute but on permies.com we have I think five forums mm -hmm. about income so We've got the one that's residual income streams. Mm -hmm. And the point I was making earlier about those other two books was I think residual income streams beats both of those because I know how to do it. It's not that hard. It's much easier than earning a million dollars and then investing it wisely. Right. Um, and, and so because of it, I mean, like to get a million dollars and invest it wisely, it could take you many, many years until you can retire. But um, with residual income streams, it's like after two years of work, you might be able to retire. Yes. And, um, uh, and it's all about thinking about like, I'm going to work two hours each day to do something that, that feeds my residual income stream machine. 
or I'm going to work two hours each day on things that might someday be turned into mm -hmm. residual income. Um, like, you know, for that two weeks out of the year that I'm trying to monetize the things that I've already created. Right. Um, as opposed to, to doing this. Now, now, out at Permies, we've got several forums. So one is Residual Income Streams Forum. Another one is Cottage Industry. Mm -hmm. So things that you can do out on the farm that bring in a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. um, another one is called Agile Work. I haven't seen that one. Well, and then, well, it's been out, I think it's probably at least eight months old. Is it? Um, but the Agile Work Forum is about like things, jobs that you can do from anywhere in the world. And so it's like you can have this job and then you can go live way out in the country or you can live in the city or, and it's a great for transitioning out of the rat race. Mm -hmm. So um, I know like Jocelyn does accounting work mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and now she lives out here in the sticks, but we've got internet. So she does it all over the phone and over the internet. And there's a lot of jobs like that that are, you know, agile. You can be anywhere and do these jobs. So there's there's this large buffet. But I think I think out of all the different kinds of income that there can be, and then of course investment, I think residual income streams beats them all. Because then and before I forget, all of my videos. I've got three different video sets. So the original four DVD set for Rocket Mass Heater, Rocket Mass Heaters, the new four DVD set for Rocket Mass Heaters, and then I've got a three DVD set on called World Domination Gardening. Mm -hmm. And gotta say, just do your earthworks first. It's so you, right. So you don't have <laughs> you to go. Cry. Yeah. But all of them are available as digital download with a forty percent affiliate fee. Yeah. And it's like people go and they post stuff, and it's like, oh, I'm gonna post this link to Amazon and I and I get five percent. Which is pennies. Yeah. And and then but it's like somebody goes and they post about the my four D V D set and then uh, uh next thing you know they've sold a few but they've got four hundred dollars. Yeah. And then they just leave that link up there yeah. and it brings in an extra forty bucks a month. Which is huge. And we've and we've done that. Of all the people that we actually affiliate with, Paul I think Paul's the only one we actually do that with I, th I think you're it because we don't like to feel like people are putting random ads like you can have like websites that you're affiliated with that they pop they pop up products that you really don't understand you don't know about them you don't know if you really support them and or you can do something like this where the where the um, affiliate kickback is enough that it's significant and you actually know what you're selling instead of it being like it could be Monsanto that pops up if you do, you know, the Google AdWords and stuff like that. <laughs> and and, and Which still is you only get a tenth of a penny. And, and if you go to a lovely, lovely website and something evil shows up in AdWords, click on it. Right. It takes an, a, dollar a dollar away out of from their Monsanto. Pocket <laughs> and then it puts a nickel in your pocket. That's true. You know, and yeah. it, it's like... Uh, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Some people, I get these people complaining like, oh, no, on your website, there's... Advertising for something yeah, evil. It. And it's like, oh, that totally works now for I got me. Paid, paid by the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking money from the evil people and putting it in my pocket. Right. That totally works for me. Yeah. I'm cool with that. So, all right, um, where are we at on that? I mean, I, I think what I've said is, is that I think, we've covered I, I think residual income streams are better than investing. Yeah. Better than a job. <laughs> better. It is the best. Yeah. And I've had 
many times where um, I've not done anything money-wise for months, but I still have money coming in mm -hmm. every month. I, I think that there's something to be said. In fact, I'm set up, I myself is currently set up at scubbly.com, mm -hmm. which is a disinterested third party because a lot of times you're going to say, oh, I'm going to set up affiliate stuff. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of affiliate. So Amazon is safe. Scubbly is safe. Almost everything else is probably broken. Yeah. I have I have done things where I have provided um, a bunch of uh, sales to somebody, and um, it's like, oh wow, we did a great job, and we're we should be getting like eight thousand dollars. We did such good work. We worked so hard. And then that person with the affiliate software, it's like, oh, we bought this affiliate software, but it turned out we didn't set it up right, or it turned out it was broken and it had a bug. And so I guess we're going to send you nothing. Sorry. And and it's like, uh, but and and I gotta I gotta tell you, I hate most affiliate programs. The right. great thing about Scubly is it's a disinterested third party. Right. They just report. This is what happened, and here's the split. And and it's like every time there's a sale, you get an email. Yeah. And and then you can go and look at their reporting, mm -hmm. and the reporting is instant, and you can see that. If um and and then it's like if you click on it yourself, to go to it, it says oh somebody clicked on it. They didn't mm -hmm. buy anything, but they clicked. Right. And it's like so you can verify the things working. You can check the math. You can, right. and it's all very transparent. Mm -hmm. And it 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 works fantastically. Whereas um you sign up with somebody else's stuff, and it's like, um it says somebody will say hey I bought that through your link. And and then you go look at the reporting, and it's like the reporting says, oh, nobody's actually clicked on your stuff. Right. Nobody's bought anything. Or there's no reporting. Right. And you wait a month, and they come back, and they say, well, nobody bought anything. Nothing happened. And it's like, well, I got one guy who says he did. Okay, we went, and we spent four hours researching it, and we found the one guy did, so we're going to give you $10 for that. Right. It's like, well, what about all the people that bought it and didn't say that they bought it? Right. Oh, we don't think anybody did that because look at the reporting. Because you did. I remember when you talked about this in one of your podcasts, you said, okay, we've tried all these others out and none of it worked. The Scubbly is it because they they don't get any kickbacks from it. They get, don't no, they, they get take a, a cut. Do they? They take a cut. And But, it's, it's, but it's like the only thing that you found that was actually reliable, that it happened every time because you've already done it. You've already walked this road. And right. tried other things. And so this part of, worked. I mean, before coming out with my videos, then Ernie and Erica were coming out with plans. Mm -hmm. And they were set up someplace else. And so then I would direct a whole bunch of people over to their stuff to go and, and buy their plans. And then, um, and then that site would then send Ernie and Erica an email at the end of the month saying, you got to give Paul $400. And then Ernie and Erica kind of like, Oh man, we already spent that money, right. mm -hmm. and so suddenly I'm a bill. Right, Instead and, of, and you, it makes it awkward. Yeah, whereas with Scubbly, it's like I am never a bill to Ernie and Erica, and um, now and Ernie and Erica, I've got a, a long business relationship with them, and so before I was this monthly bill, and it's mm -hmm. like, uh oh, uh uh oh, mm -hmm. we got to give Paul money. Oh, this sounds bad. Yeah. Now I'm awesome. I'm a superhero in their world because yeah. it comes in and it says Paul brought you money again, yeah. and they're like, "Yay, Paul is 
awesome. He's so cool. Yeah. And and so, <clears throat> uh, Scubbly automatically sends me money, mm-hmm. and and they don't ever get a bill. And so then they send you know however much Ernie and Erica so have come to and them. <laughs> and so it's like it's all it's the way it should be. It's done yeah. correctly. Yeah. And and so um, now there's another site called Gumroad, which does something similar. And um, sometimes on. on some days I think I'm going to move my stuff over to Gumroad, and uh, and some of the people that we've been working with um, uh, are using Gumroad, and that's that's working out um, that's working out pretty good so far. I I like Scubbly better because Scubbly is trying to create a community and like look at all the different products mm-hmm. that are available that are all kind of similar and stuff like that, whereas Gumroad's more like they just provide a service to people and it's so like if you go to a, something that's like this is cool I wonder if there's anything else like this. We're not telling you. Right. <laughs> We're only going to tell you about this right. one thing. That's all we'll talk about. So, um, uh, Jocelyn handed me a secret note, uh, <laughs> and it's and it's like, uh, and I don't think this isn't a residual income stream thing. This is like homestead marketing, and and it's kind of like uh, there's a book out called Launch, mm. and and it's like um, I've I've only read a third of the book. But but basically mm-hmm. the idea of the book is is like let's say you have a mailing list right. and you want to leverage the mailing list in order to have monies, yeah. actual cash monies. Then what you do is you'll you say to your mailing list, Hey peoples, do you want a thing of a bob? I was thinking about maybe th- making a thing of a bob. Come to my site and tell me at this point, like if you want a thing of a bob. Right. And then it's like, okay, people said that they wanted a thingamabob. And so how much should we charge for the thingamabob? What color should we make the thingamabob? Mm-hmm. So you interact with your list. And then you actually make the thingamabob. And then you're saying, okay, we should be selling it in like three or four days. And, you know, fresh thingamabob. And um, uh, and then finally it's available. The, the thing is, is that if they go to the, the, the thingamabob store, there's 10,000 thingamabobs. And then they're trying to, they, they got to spend hours figuring out which thingamabob they're going to pay for. Whereas if you make a custom thingamabob for your audience, then there's only one thingamabob at the thingamabob store. And they definitely, definitely want it because they helped make it. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, launch is a great book for, for marketing, but it's like not exactly a residual income stream. And I know Justin Rhodes uses this. He's even talked in his in some of his podcasts or not podcasts. What did he do? He did another program with another thing with somebody else where he was talking about how it is he did what he did, and he said he followed launch to yeah. the letter to the T. And so when he put his YouTube channel on and when he suddenly had these products, he had followed everything, and now he had money in his pocket. And I I will say. That I think launch if that's how you're gonna. And Justin uses Gumroad. Does he use the Gumroad too? Yeah, Justin uses Gumroad. Interesting, <clears throat> and and see for me, if if you're a beginning homesteader, I think that doing doing things that way is great. If if what Justin is doing is amazing for beginning homesteaders, if you are someone who's an experienced homesteader and you've been doing permaculture for a long time, I prefer the way that Paul does it where he has this teeny tiny little ad at the end of his email that talks about, oh, and by the way, here's my stinky little ad here at the bottom. Here's all this other <laughs> huge amount of information right. and these links to the forums. For an experienced homesteader and permaculturist, I prefer the way that Paul does it because it doesn't feel quite so invasive. You know that most of what he's giving you is information with a little teeny tiny add-on of an ad at the bottom. 
which I don't know. We just, I mean, that's part of the try 100 things. Yeah. We call it the tiny ad. Mm-hmm. And so there's a line and, and usually I'm trying to quote mm-hmm. something that I think is cool. I, th- I think, um, there's a bunch of Monty Python quotes that I put in there uh-huh. in the tiny ad. So it says, it says, I'm not dead. Uh-huh. Um, I think I'd like to go for a walk. I'll even read this tiny ad, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and, and then, uh, and then there'll be, we, we limit it to one line mm-hmm. and it's just tiny and, and it links to our stuff. But, um, like I'm going to think of like one thing that we link to, it's not my stuff. It's like, I'm going to think of like the, um, the thing about the truck that is that you, you make, you convert your truck into being uh, a generator mm-hmm. and alternative power source. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a couple, basically you put one of those boxes in the back and you put some batteries in there and an inverter and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, there's a, there's a three video series about it. I didn't make it, but we, we link to it and we put it in our tiny ads and we get a 40% affiliate fee. Right. And I bet that through all of the stuff that we've got set up, we sell five or six of those a month. Mm-hmm. And so it's not huge money, but it. It does add up. I mean, what is it? Right. A couple hundred bucks a month, right? And that's not bad. And if it's just from one, if it's just from your one email a day, and you have one of those on each one of them, we probably mention it in the daily email. We probably mention that twice a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so maybe it's through the daily email people find it. We've got a web page that's got links to all the stuff. We've got a web page that's just a thread that's dedicated to this. Yeah. And um, so we've got. And then the other thing is, like, let's say you make a blog, mm-hmm. and you're going to have a blog about what was what was your daughter talking about for spinning this morning? Oh, the polywog. The polywog. Okay. Yeah. So let's say you make a blog about polywog, and um, and then you go out to Permies and you start a thread about the polywog, mm-hmm. and then you talk a little bit about it, and then you link to your blog where you know I've written about it a whole bunch more at my blog, mm-hmm. and here's a picture and whatever. Then um, and then at your blog, there's an affiliate link to buy one. And so, you know, it, you sell, you know, people buy like maybe a dozen a year and you get your five bucks a month. And so now you've got this blog entry that's bringing in some money every year. And how long did it take you to make the blog? And how long did it take you to post to Permies? Maybe a couple of other places. And, and so, you know, it didn't take that long. That is a perfect example of residual income streams. And I think it's all about your comfort level. The, 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 the launch, which is Jeff Walker, right? Is I think he's who, who wrote it. Launch is highly intensive. You do an email constantly. You're constantly bombarding somebody else's email with these new emails that are keeping you involved in whatever you're doing. But that's not residual income. It's not residual income. And or, but it is, it's one of those like homestead marketing, how deep into this marketing thing do you want to be? You're definitely working from home. This yeah. is agile. Yeah. This isn't even an agile job. This is like you're working for yourself. Yeah, you are. You're self-employed. And, and so you have that kind of level. You have what, what Paul does where he does his little emails. It's a huge amount of, sorry, did I turn your phone off? No. Nope. Um, a huge amount of information that's already there that's on the forums just letting you know that there's a new link up and that has a teeny tiny ad, and that's a level of involvement. And then you have the, and then some people don't want to do that kind of marketing, but they like to have a conversation on the forum. So they go onto the forum and they talk a little bit about what they do with the link to their blog. And so I think a lot of people are afraid of doing online residual income 
or any kind of marketing because they think they have to do something intensive when a lot of times all you really have to do is get out there and look at what other people are talking about and enter the conversation and then go make your residual income by creating something that you've already talked to somebody about on a forum or that you read about in somebody's email but if you're not out there looking and participating in the conversation you don't know what people want and you don't know what information you have that could help them and so don't be intimidated by the fact that you're not a marketing guru instead find a place to have a conversation and create your medium whether it be video or blog or or what else is there a blog video podcast whatever your medium is that you actually love that's where you should start instead of just trying to copycat what somebody else has done right i i think um i started out by participating in forums and mm -hmm. mailing lists yeah and um and so then i there would be a somebody would ask a question and then i would attempt to help them and then, of course, everybody wants to Google it, and we find there's nothing on Google. And then I would, and then a lot of times, what would happen is, is that uh, people would say that I am stupid, um, even beyond stupid. Um, some might use the word retarded, uh, idiotic. Um, that that basically, and they could wax on about what a horrible person I am, all because I have an opinion yeah. that is different. And and then so. What I would end up doing is feeling like, you know, what I have to say here doesn't fit on a right. forum. Um, in fact, I think one of one of the articles that I became most famous for started off where somebody wrote something on Reddit. Mm -hmm. And so I replied, but my answer was so big that after I was typing for two hours that I... I copied and pasted it into a text editor. Um, it took me more than a day to write the things I needed to say. And then I just converted it into a web page. But the way Reddit works, it's like you kind of have to reply within a few hours or it's just ignored. Nobody reads it. Mm -hmm. And so then I, I put it into an article. But the fact that somebody said something stupid on Reddit, stupid in my opinion. Right. That's what inspired me to write this thing to fix it. Right. Somebody on the internet was wrong. Right. <laughs> so now I'm going to write this big, long thing. And um, it, it led to this long series of videos and articles. And, and in fact, that was my first Kickstarter was about this simply replying to something right. on Reddit. Whereas, and, it's, and it became this whole area of stuff that... I'm not really all that interested in, but it's but so many people are so buying into the advertising that's out there, and it's like no, that's not what it's like at all. Right. And so um, that's that's a way. And that's harvest, the emotion that gets you into it. Harvest your anger. Right. It, it has so much to do with that. Harvest what it is that you've experienced and what you feel passionate about. And a lot of times, that stupid thing that took you 30 seconds to make is going to be your biggest cash cow. I've had that happen so many times where I'm just like, well, this is a stupid thing, but I, I've done it so many times. I should just video it while I'm doing it, and then I'll just pop it up. And, and then it, it pops up, and you're just like, well, that 14-hour one that took me five years to edit does has five views. And this other one that I was just angry and talking about what how irritated I was is the one that, that made yeah. me the big bucks. Isn't that weird? It's weird. So now, I thought that my biggest video of all time was going to be the one that I did about 
colony collapse disorder. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought it was going to have millions and millions of views and, and it would be on the news and it would be super viral. And because basically it's like, no, it's so important here. Totally solved. Colony collapse disorder. Totally solved. Here you go. Everything's fixed. Not a problem. And, um, it just got like nothing. It, it, I couldn't seem to get interest in it. And, and I don't know, I never have figured out why. In the meantime, um, other videos that I have have gotten millions of views, right. literally millions. Right. And, and so, uh, I'm always baffled. The things that I think are super interesting, try 100 things, yeah. two of them will work out, and you never know in advance which two. And it might not be its time. There's a lot of things like that are, are creepers. Like, you'll make it and nobody will care about it for two years, but then on the third year, all of a sudden it will explode because you were prophetic. You understood what the solution was before anybody knew it was a problem. And so I've had videos like that where I'll make it and then two years later, it will be the big topic and suddenly that video will be the one that's making the big money because you saw the problem coming, you already knew what the solution was and you made it and now everybody cares about it where they didn't two years ago because they didn't know it was a problem. So for residual income streams, start at forums Yeah. and, and be helpful. Yeah. Answer questions for people and after you've answered the same question 10 times, you get really good at answering mm -hmm. questions and, and you can now express it really well. Mm -hmm. Now, you can take that and mash, mash it into a blog, or some people create an ebook mm -hmm. out of this kind of thing, and, and then you, you put it up in all kinds of different places as an ebook or as your blog or whatever, and, and then um, uh, sometimes you get nothing. No one wants to read what your dreck is, uh, and then sometimes it takes off. Yeah. But here's, here's, I think the most important thing out of all of this, if you do nothing, you'll get nothing. Right. And, um, you know, here's another thing about residual income streams and helping people. Uh, no good deed goes unpunished. That's <laughs> so true. Yeah. And so you go out and, and you just post something and you say, here is what I think. And, um, and now I imagine, and, and it's like, at first you're just, you're doing it for free. And later you come back and you're going to try and monetize it somehow and get your residual income stream mm -hmm. going. But, um, oh my, the hate. And, and so there's a lot of people that have done amazing things and they have stopped. Yes. Because it's like, I just don't need this level of hate in my life. The rape threats and the I, the, I will kill you, I will find you and your horrible children and I will beat you to death with a tire iron threats. Yep. Um, and it's like, uh, okay, let's explore. I will beat you with a tire iron. Details. Very detailed. Yeah, detailed. I have found out where you live. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to now tell the world how to go. I'm going to go tell all the biker gangs or whatever uh, where you live and, and uh, suggest things to them. Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, wow, um, all this over... A rhubarb cobbler recipe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. how can somebody be that angry about rhubarb? Yeah. <laughs> and, or, res or for me, it's been the respectful butchering of animals. It's been, look, this isn't easy. This is how I do it. I have huge respect <laughs> for these animals. I love them. I care about them. I am going to butcher them. I'm going to show you how I do it, so that they suffer the least. 
And here, I know this isn't going to be popular, but I'm still going to make it because some of you have sunshine and roses when you think of butchering animals and you don't realize the animal actually dies. And it's emotional for you and it's, it's scary for the animal. But this is really what it's like if you feel like you're going to be homesteading and you're going to be eating meat. This is what it's like. So now, the comedy of this is that it's a vegan, a militant vegan mm -hmm. is going to say... <laughs> Something about killing anything is wrong. But I'm going to kill and you. Now I'm going to kill you. And Imaginatively. It's, it's like, do you not understand that I'm a thing? A, a living creature. And and it's like, you, but you're you're saying killing anything is wrong, but you want to kill me. A thing. You want to kill a. So you're violating your own standards. And um, uh, it's and then of course the other thing is is like uh, uh, I have a face because yeah, that's part of I the argument is like oh I don't need anything that has a face. Meaning. Or just go to the grocery store. Why don't you just go be a normal person and get your meat at the grocery store? So I've got Respectful Chicken Harvest video. And every day. Well, not I every love day, that about video. Every day, I love I, that video. It is a, I think it's a great video. It's amazing. And, and I go out and I have to delete it. So I think part of it is, is that if you're going to work in this space, just know it's coming. Now, and a lot of it is going to be from crazy people. And I'm sure everybody has met somebody Probably they're even related to you by blood. And they're nuts! They're just nuts! And and it's like, but they lit crazy people have access to the internet too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and they're gonna do this crazy hostile stuff. And and that's a whole nother podcast for another day, how to deal with the haters. And it's like but you know what? The thing is is that if you do nothing at all and you just, you have zero residual income streams, you don't ever post on the internet, now you, you don't have any haters. Yeah. And it's like, you know, uh, Gandhi, a million people hated that guy. Right. Mother Teresa, oh wow, there's a lot of people that hate her. They think she's a monster. Really? Oh, oh yeah, they say that all the stuff that she did, it was because she was kind of a sadist. And oh. so she'd like to bring them in and, and torture them. And so there's there's that from Mother Teresa. Um, uh, I did a podcast with Jeff Lawton, mm -hmm. the Crown Prince of Permaculture, yeah. and and he pointed out he's a Muslim dude, yeah, and he pointed out that Jesus Christ had detractors. That's true. And they killed him. Yeah. And I thought I thought that's extra powerful coming from a Muslim guy, yeah. and um, uh, so like everybody who you think is super cool. Oh, they got people who hate their guts. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you uh, uh, for a fact, because at Permis, we delete that stuff. Yeah. And and it's like, wow, have people come up with some crazy stuff. And it's and that's the funny thing. Like most places on the Internet, then a, a crazy, ignorant boob seems to have just as much authority on any topic as somebody who's a global superhero in that yeah. space. And it's like they sound like, they both have the same authority. So now the global superhero is required to defend themselves yeah. against nitwits. Yeah. And and it's like, so at Permies, we have the uh, the apple system. So yeah. some people have lots of apples. And, and it's one way to develop um, a little bit of rank, I, I guess, yeah. a little bit of um, reputation, vis visible reputation. And um, when when an author comes around, we we tag their account as an author. Yeah. So that way, but at the same time, when people start saying something 
inappropriate, we, we delete that. Um, we've had a lot of people where it's like they say, oh, I'll go ahead and I post my stuff out on YouTube or on the Internet or wherever, and the haters come out. And I say, and I say to them, and then so then they, they get out. They don't want to do it anymore. I'm not going to mess. I just don't want to put up with that. And I say, you come and you post that out at Permies. Whatever yeah. it is you're doing, you post it at Permies. Yeah. And we are very good at removing that crap. And we're getting, we get rid of it. So now you can have, you can build your residual income streams. You could be a person that on the internet. And then when the haters come, we take care of that for you. Yeah. And we get rid of that. We want to be able to have these kinds of conversations without that kind of dreck. Yeah. So we have some, I, I think we have awesome standards, mm -hmm. which a lot of people think our, our standards are twisted and messed up. And we tell those people go elsewhere. Yes. And so this is, I, I set up this website to talk about the things that I want to talk about the way I want to talk about them. Yeah. And um, I, my only rule is be nice, but the key is, is I will interpret what that means. Right. You know, and I've had a lot of people tell me that, you know, hey, Paul, what you're doing is not being nice. And it's like, oh, you don't understand the crazy in my head, then right. do you? Right. So we're going to go by the crazy in my head, not the crazy in your head. Right. <laughs> So, residual income streams. Let's do some examples okay. of what there is. So, you could publish an ebook. Now, a physical book, if somebody else is the publisher and they send you royalties, that's not bad. That's a residual income stream. But it's a huge amount of work and it's expensive. That's true. And those publishers are so picky. Yeah. And then they want you to jump through all kinds of hoops. To and make it not, not so residual. Yeah. You got to go on a speaking tour, yeah. but, you know, without pay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and it's like they, they want you as the author to do their job, which is publicity. Yeah. Oh, we're a publisher. We're not a publicity organization. Right. You got to do your own publicity. You got to shell out 20 grand to, to get the publicity for your book. And then unless you make the bestseller list, you really don't make any money off it. So pretty much, you know, you balance out at zero again, unless you're, unless again, you have an audience that wants to directly buy your book. If you had an audience that directly wants to buy your book, they already know about there's you. Some of that. Yeah. There's some of that. But then if you, if it's a physical book, then you're, then you're in the business of mailing people books. Yeah. yeah. But if it's an ebook, mm -hmm. it's a residual income stream. You could put your, there's a lot of places to put it, but one place is Put your ebook out at Scubly, mm -hmm. and then I'll sell it for you. I'll get 40%. So I'll have a residual income stream with your book, mm -hmm. and you'll have a residual income stream with your book. And then however it's promoted, then it's like you could go on a trip for five years and come back, and your bank account is fatter. Yeah. You didn't have to do anything at all. Yeah. So a book. Uh, I... I always advocate, and I've been people have been telling me in the last couple of years the industry has changed. But I've been telling people that a great thing to do is the thing with the pictures. If you're a photographer, go out and take your pretty pictures, put them on a stock photography oh, yeah. site, and then um, it's like you know you put up uh, you know 500 pictures, and then someday somebody needs one of these pictures. Oh, I need a picture of a rocket mass heater for a rocket mass heater article I'm writing. Mm -hmm. And so then it's like, I'm going to use your rocket mass heater image. I'm going to give you $300 for it. And then, you know, money just dribbles in. Yeah. Um, YouTube mm -hmm. videos. Yep. Um, if you make a DVD and you set it up as a digital download, mm -hmm. like what I've done with mine at Scubbly, then you don't have to do anything. Right. The money just comes in. 
Etsy, you can do the same thing on Etsy. You can do little, they have to be little without a lot of pictures, but if it is considered a handmade craft type thing, even if you can do knitting patterns, you can do crochet patterns, sewing patterns, as long as you have the software to be able to put them together, it's residual, you don't do anything, Etsy gets a cut off of it, but it can be anything digital like that that you can create that you know that you had ownership over right. is a residual because you don't actually physically sell it to them. The, the program that you have it set up on sells it for you. Yeah. All right. I, I normally, if I'm going to make, I'm going to read off a list like this, I'm going to go and, and pull my list off of permies.com, but uh, I can't think of my list. Oh, 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 here's another item for the list. Like my ants and aphids article. Mm -hmm. And then I put stuff on it, like um, a, a, an AdSense banner, some kind of thing where I just they just send money to my bank account uh, once a month. An and, Amazon link, too, and in, then, in an article. And then there's like an Amazon link or links to Scubbly or something mm -hmm. like that, something that's got an affiliate fee. Whenever anybody buys a thing, then then you get it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I would have to say that for all of my – well, here's another, another one is – Podcasts don't make any money whatsoever. Right. If there's a way to make a residual income stream off of podcasts, I don't know what it is. But on the other hand, I and I there's somebody I get people who keep talking about capitalism is bad, and I don't. I read their stuff, and it makes no sense to me whatsoever. I cannot wrap my head around it. And then a lot of them talk about gift economy, and I think what they mean to say is that now you have to give me gifts. Right. I, I think that's what they're saying. <laughs> But I'm not sure. So, but I, I do want to, to say something, and that is, like, with the podcast, I have, not only have I given them away for free, but it costs me money to put out those podcasts. Even though people now can pay 20 bucks to get them in the gob off of Scubbly and whatnot, doesn't cover the cost. I'm right. still running, all the podcasts run the red. But... It builds your empire. It brings people in. I think, I think nothing is as effective as podcasts. Right at conveying knowledge quickly and efficiently. And then there is that gift economy mm -hmm. thing. And it's like, because of the podcasts, I I literally get gifts in the mail. You do. People yeah. mail me awesome, cool things. I made a podcast <laughs> where I was like talking about how I'm upset and frustrated, how frustrating that blue tape is. Mm -hmm. And people here were burning through it like crazy, and it's so expensive. So then one person sent me a roll. Uh, it was nine rolls of tape in a package. And then somebody else sent me an, a, a case, a huge box of blue tape. And so now I've got like this But the gifts that have just come in packages have been immense. And then on top of that, this the, the house that we're sitting in at this moment. So I... I bought the acreage at the lab, and then this house was for sale. It's the closest house to the lab, mm -hmm. but it's got, like, a shop and stuff. And um, I didn't have enough money to buy it outright, but I had enough money to put a down payment on it. And then the terms were, the, the owner terms were, um, uh, you know, because you can't get a bank right. to give you, to, to put a mortgage on a place like this. Um, and so a lot of houses around here do owner financing. Mm -hmm. And so this place was available with owner financing. And so it's like, oh, okay, owner financing. Uh, uh, that's fine. I'll do it. Here's my down payment. Here's my offer. The down payment and your owner financing is great. 
And then, they, then it was rejected. And they said, we decided not to do owner financing. We want money now. Mm. And um, so I went to uh, uh, people at Permies and I said, damn, that place was the closest to this new property. The next place for sale is a long ways away. Mm -hmm. It looked pretty fortunate. And then there was a bunch of people who said, because they'd listened to my podcast, right. they said, I've got a bunch of money in the bank earning 0.5% interest. If they had um, uh, done the owner finance thing, that would have been 5% interest. And they, and this is, this is the part that really got me. I trust you more than, more than I trust yeah. my bank. Yeah. And so then this place, I got this place because of my podcast yeah. and it got financed that way. And so it's, I, I, and it's a, it's, you know, it's 5% and I got it. It sucks to have that kind of a mortgage thing, but check this out. I didn't even, these people sent checks, yeah. huge checks to do this. I didn't even provide a signature. Right. There is no documentation that they have any lien on the property or anything like that. So this is like not even a signature loan. This is people who this trust. This is a podcast loan. We trust you. Probably you know go. where to find you. We, yeah. We, well. Well, they don't they, know where to find they, you. They, but. They, they probably do know where to find me. I'll tell them where I am. Right. But, but most importantly, it's they trust me mm -hmm. because of the podcast. Because I gave it away for free. Yeah. And I paid for it. So there's, there are, there is value to this, even though it's not a residual income stream. Now we were listing off residual income streams, and I'm sure we're not at the end of the list. But I'm, I'm as I'm just trying to go through memory. I'm trying to think like, I know there's probably like four other things that I do. Yeah. And then there's got to be probably four of the things that other people do, and that I don't do, that that brings in residual income, and. I, I mean, I, I think I probably get, you know, two or $3,000 a month now from all my mm -hmm. residual income streams. And the thing is, what people need to understand is it does take time to build up the skill to do this. It's not immediate. You learn as you go. You start somewhere and you learn as you, there's, it takes time to build credibility. It takes time to develop the skills. And so it's not a get rich scheme. It's not a get rich scheme. It's a, it's a lifestyle credibility, helping people, lifestyle, lifestyle. I want to, I want to argue with you on every single thing you just said. Really? I want to say it is a get rich scheme. It's just not get rich quick. <laughs> well, and I think it depends on what your terminology is for get rich. To me, I feel rich when the food that's on my table is beautiful, wonderful food. And I spend oh. my time outdoors to me. That's all lovely, but we're talking about money here. Okay. Okay, you tell me get rich. I Okay, so I've, I I feel that I, for me, because I have none of these skills and I started from the ground up and I didn't know where to look for the skills in the beginning, for me, it couldn't be a get rich scheme because I didn't know how to do it. If you had the skills and you knew how to do it, I think, yes, you could do it. All right, so I'm going to I'm gonna argue with you on that one. Okay. I want to say it's easy to do. Okay. It's super easy to do. And... And uh, I think it starts with give a damn. Okay. And so you're going to be like, okay, I, you know, I have ants, neighbors on my tree. I can't find anything on Google. I want to go try a bunch of things. And I did. I tried several different things. And then I, and I wrote about all those things. And then in the end, the last thing I tried is the thing that worked, of right. course. 
can it really be any other way? Right. And, and then so I wrote about it and I shared it. And I didn't think about income. It took me two hours. And then later I monetized it. Mm -hmm. I put an AdSense banner on it. And, and then that started bringing in money. That was easy. Mm -hmm. And, and, I, and I, granted, I, I'd already had experience with AdSense. And it was just a matter of like, oh, I should like put one of those AdSense banners on that page. And then, all right. So, uh, you know, there's, now granted, if you're already sharing and you're already posting stuff and you're already doing a bunch of whatever it is that you're doing, then you know enough about how to do this one more thing. Mm -hmm. And adding a band, adding an ad, and I don't know if AdSense is really the smartest thing anymore. Right. It's it's like it pays less and less and less every year. Right. But back then it paid very well. Right. And I, I put it up there. And then um, I'd say that if you do anything at all and it brings in a dollar per month and it will keep bringing in a dollar per month uh, every month for 10 years, that counts. That's the beginning. And, and then you start to think like, oh, I'm only getting this tiny amount of money and it's like okay now you take that and you're going to try and get that and the you know every once in a while you're going to monetize this stuff every once in a while you're going to find ways to stick money income stuff in there and it'll be tiny money income mm -hmm. and then you're going to be like okay how do i get 10 times more people to see this mm -hmm. and you do that work one time and then it suddenly it, it pays off mm -hmm. and so then and then it turns out that when you get that ants and aphids article into you know more faces those people come and then they click on other stuff that you have and they see a lot of your stuff and and then as the years pass you do more and more and more of that and then it brings in more and more income and you get better and better and better at doing this but that's not fast that i mean that's like that's like saying what i say that it's like it took me three years to learn any of the skills that made me effective at recognizing this is the not necessary clickbait but yeah clickbait this is the clickbait the way I need to word it the picture that I need to put up when I do this it took me three years to learn how to recognize a good video and gain those skills and now I know how to do it and now it's fast but it took me three years to learn how to organize my thoughts to make it fast anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly first. Right. And that's exactly what it is. It felt, it felt, I did it so poorly for the first few but years. When, but, but doing it poorly. Better than doing nothing. <laughs> brings in infinitely times more income than doing nothing. Right. If you make a dollar yeah. per month, you're, that's the beginning. Right. It, it begins. Because with a dollar per month, then it's going to be like, okay, now I'm going to figure out how to get that to $2 per month. Mm -hmm. And then there's the age old question. Do I add more content or do I get more people to see what I already made? Right. And then if I do add more content, then I tell people with my new content, oh, and I have old content too. Mm -hmm. And then on the old content, you say, and I have new content too. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and at that point, you start to wish you could bring somebody in to help you with it because it starts to be a lot of marketing and a lot of new content and choosing which one you want to do. And sometimes it's easier just to bring somebody else in that is better at it than you are because you need to go create new content and discover new beautiful things to make. I think that there's truth to that. And at the same time, it's like when I go and I try and find somebody and hire them, it turns out I know more about it than they know. Yeah. And, and then it's like, then I spend five hours 
getting them. getting them to do 20 minutes worth of work I could have mm, done by myself. And and then it's like after they start to get to the point where it's like, okay, it takes me an hour to teach them a thing and they do an hour of work so it's almost breaking even, they but I'm still paying else. them. <laughs> then they go get a job somewhere else. Yeah, And so it's true. it's like, it's it's hard and really it's about, and, and it's like with that Ants Navids article, I, you know, it just, you don't sits, have to I haven't it done ever. anything. I haven't done anything. And that's kind of the beauty of residual income. Yeah. Now, I could go out and do things to get that article into more brains and, and draw more attention to it. I could, I could go and do it right now, mm -hmm. but, um, all right. Bottom line is I wrote the Anson Aphids article not to earn money, right. but because I just needed to express myself. And I needed, and I know that there's a lot of people that are buying poisons to try and deal with this problem. Um, in fact, when I first became a master gardener, so later I, I got to do the advanced master gardener. So I'm an advanced, I'm a right. certified advanced <laughs> master gardener. But when I first became a standard common regular mm -hmm. issue master gardener, and part of the deal is, is that they give you all this training, um, provided that you're going to go help other people. Right. And, and you, you have to give a commitment of a bunch of hours after the training. So it's like, okay, I did the training. My very first assignment, I go to this place. And um, there's, a, there's a, a guy and he's got a, a, a shrub that's covered in aphids. And uh, so I get to the site and then the guy is late. And the guy finally arrives and he says, I'm sorry I'm late, but my sister um, was, is in the hospital. And in fact, normally my sister lives in this room right next to the to the shrub that we're mm -hmm. looking at so right that's her bedroom right there but she's in the hospital she's got cancer and it's not looking good she's probably not going to make it so i'm very sad and that's why i'm late today now let's look at this shrub and he said you know what every year this shrub gets aphids and every year i just hose it down no. with diazinon and, and it's like, and it keeps not working and they keep coming back. So as a master gardener, do you look at me and say, well, you've killed the aphids, not killed the aphids, but you've killed your sister. Good job. Yeah. So, but you know, the funny thing is, is with the master gardener stuff that if you're going to talk about anything organic, you have to give equal positive airtime to the poisons. And, and so being a master gardener is twisted and messed up. And I'm, and so people are like, oh, trust a master gardener. And it's like, okay, take it from an advanced master gardener, certified advanced master gardener. Now it's like, no matter how much they love a non-toxic approach, they are required to push toxins required. Now, so how do you convince people to stop using toxins? I mean, you know, basically this dude has the standard American approach is that my sister got cancer because she was unlucky. The cancer fairy chose her instead of somebody else. Ding, you get cancer. That's how she got cancer. It didn't come from environment. It didn't come from toxins. It came from the cancer fairy. That's so anyway, I, I wish to project a message of like, I had aphids on an apple tree and here are the many things that I tried, some of which, which 
some of which worked better than others. And none of them were toxic. I, I, I had you a killed pen. zero sisters. I, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I put a pen around it and I put a, a, a chicken in there. And then the chicken ignored it. So I put a smaller chicken in there. And then uh, and the chicken uh, started eating the ants. Um, and so basically the ants heard the aphids. And so if you can get rid of the ants, then the, the natural, because aphids are, are, you know, if you go and you give an aphid, a, if you're an ant and you go and you give an aphid a squeeze, sugar comes out of its butt. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they love the sugar. Mm -hmm. Oh, sugar is so good. And so all kinds of animals love sugary aphid butt. And, uh, but they'll, they'll skip and they'll take all the sugar. They'll just eat the whole aphid because mm -hmm. those things are sweet. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones you want. But then the ants are protecting these aphids. And so those, you know, like if a, if a ladybug comes along and wants to eat an aphid, it, then the ants are like, get out of here. Get out. This is my sugary aphid butt. You can't have any. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, the, the key is, is like, okay, if you get rid of the ants, then the other things in the area will come and eat the aphids. So you got to get rid of the ants. Right. So when I had a large chicken in there, that large chicken didn't really notice the ants. So I put a smaller chicken in there, and that chicken noticed the ants. But um, uh, that chicken needs to eat other things, and it's like it's a lot of work to keep that chicken in there. And I tried putting some diatomaceous earth on there, and it really didn't change anything. And in the end, the thing that worked is I put a lot of diatomaceous earth down. Oodles of it. Gobs of diatomaceous earth. And then it was over. Right. And, and it's like, just boom, done. And then the ants were gone. And within a couple of days, all the aphids were gone. Mm -hmm. It was, that's it. So, and, it, and, and so I felt the need to share this message so that sisters could live. Sisters everywhere. Jills, if you will. Oh, right? <laughs> yeah, I want to save the Jills. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, that was my mission. That was the thing I needed to do. And then later I came back and I thought, okay, it was maybe two or three months later. It's like, today I'm going around to the things that I've written and trying to think of like, how can I monetize this? And so then I added the monetization. Yeah. And that is a residual income stream. Now I've got an article about diatomaceous earth um, that I wrote. And it brings in, I don't know, probably an average of $1,000 a month. Yeah, just one of the many articles I've written. So, um, then, you know, other things, I mean, just share and be helpful and help people. Focus on people mm -hmm. and focus on what you think is good and right and decent. And, and then the money follows after that. Right. So, what else, what else we got here? Residual income streams. I've got a podcast that already exists about residual income streams, the forums. I've written a lot about mm -hmm. residual income streams. Yes. And you preached it so long and hard that I was like, I, as a stay-at-home mom of two on a little farm, can do this. And it will work. And it worked. And so now um, I'm going to speculate that the amount of money that you, come, you have coming in every month is enough so that you don't have to work anymore. Right. If I left it and I didn't create anything else, it would be enough. So you could retire. Yeah. In essence, that's what we're doing. Yeah. So now you're retired at a young, young age. And um, uh, 
that's kind of what it is. I mean, the, the early retirement extreme is all about earn a million dollars and then invest it wisely. And, and I'm do. saying, don't do that. Yeah. That this is easier. Yeah. And and so you did it for three years, and now you're retired. Yes. Okay. At the ripe old age of 36. Okay. So um. And, and, and I did this. I'm picking credit. <laughs> yes, it was Paul because it, it didn't, it, it was like, well, he says it'll work. Okay, and well, well, what do we have to lose? Why don't we just try it? There, there you go. There you go. And you believed me. Yeah. I, I like it when people believe me and it pays off. Yeah. That's great. And it's so much better than when people are pointing at me saying I'm an idiot. And then, they, <laughs> you know, no, no one yeah. should do what Paul says because he's a fool. Yeah. And it's like this all worked out great for everybody. The people who think I'm a fool, that they yeah. don't have residual income streams. Right. Ha, ha, ha. And then the people such as yourself who yeah. believed me and did it and have a residual are retired. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. It's all working out great. Yeah, it all worked out great. No special. I didn't go to school for four years to do it. Just said, okay, well, just be me. Go out and put some content out there. Yeah. So now, yesterday you arrived here at my place. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, everything seemed all right. It was the most fantastic. It was like, oh, it worked. This other stuff that he's doing, it will also work. My property is does not have as much texture. We didn't get berms up first. And so... But in my defense, you weren't talking about berms when we bought our property. You weren't, I mean, Sepp Holzer was barely on the radar at that point, And so I didn't know. I just didn't know. So now we're going to go home when we go home. And we're going to think, okay, more texture. Add texture to the landscape. That's one of my cards. <laughs> yeah. My playing cards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, textured earth food all year. Mm -hmm. And then there's also another card just about berms mm -hmm. and, and what berms do. Yeah. So... But then um, you saw our structures. And they're beautiful. We have like a dozen rocket mass heaters. You saw those. And the bathrooms. But the bathrooms were the highlight. I know that sounds so stupid. We have no room where you could take a bath. I don't <laughs> know what you're talking about. Potty. Places you can go potty. Places you can clean yourself that are not bathtubs. <laughs> it was beautiful and fantastic and amazing. Okay. All right. Okay. So, um, anything else for this for your pod? This is your podcast. Permies.com. Make sure to go check it out. Um, we, when we first started doing what we were doing, we did not have the money to participate in the Kickstarters that Paul did, and we were sad about that. But as as we started to listen to Paul more on his podcast, we developed our own residual income streams. I was able to participate in the last Kickstarter that he did, and we're getting some of the goodies from that right now. So I would highly recommend going and checking out all of the the information that he has and um permies rich soil rich soil.com rich soil.com and permies.com so i try to i try to be nice at permies.com because i'm trying to build community mm -hmm. and so there's massive forums there we get one million people per month and 10 million page views per month just at permies Rich soil is where I put my ranty bits <laughs> that are like i can say anything i want at yeah. rich soil and I have my articles there and things like that. I feel like I can say anything. That's where I go to, to do whatever I want to do. Yeah. That's where my ants and aphids article is. That's where all my articles are. Yeah. So go check them out. If it, it's, really, it's really incredible to have that kind of community and to go places that if you don't have the answer, you can go ask other people. And if they don't have the answer, then you know this is where you need to find answers. So... Go check him out and go check out our podcast. It's Jills of All Trades Podcast.com. We're also on iTunes and there it's just Jills of All Trades. 
and Country Crafts is my partner's um, YouTube channel, Country Crafts on YouTube, and um, mine is DirtPatchHeaven.com, and I'm on YouTube, and so go check all of this out. And I'll talk to you later. Bye.